So maybe you're a crazy person like me who has over 400 Marines and you want to name them all. Or maybe you love creating new characters for D&D. Or maybe you just really like learning the meaning and origins behind some of your favorite nerdy character names from pop culture. Well then, it sounds like you need Naming Your Little Geek by Scott Root. This is an incredibly fun and easy read. It taught me not only is Ulrich the name of a war god, but also a Sith master. It also comes with one more added benefit. It's a great resource for naming your babies. Follow the link in the description below and pick up your copy of Naming Your Little Geek today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going this week? It is okay. I got a little workout unicycle thing that I can put under my desk that I built today. It doesn't really fit under this desk, but my work desk should fit so I could, you know, not be sitting sed sedentary all day. So that's kind of good. And... I've got some glue on my fingers because I've been working on fixing a box that for carrying the minis that I ordered off Etsy. Uh, so, you know, and I'm very hungry because I haven't eaten anything today other than a, a pack of, like, some, like, a nut pack from the vending machine earlier today. So... <laughs> That's not food. I, I'm agreeing, hence why I'm <laughs> stating it, so... I'm sorry, I, was, I just took me a second to construct in my mind the unicycle device that you had created and i got there eventually but the reason my brain was that you had converted your chair to a unicycle I'm like, that just doesn't sound feasible yeah no anyway how are I you out there oh very tired very stressed it is a very busy week behind the scenes but on the upside uh my daughter now loves power rangers and predator i saw you uh you mentioned that in one of the tweets yeah yeah i've been live tweeting her reactions to it and it's been fun to watch just the general love that she has for these properties now i have not gotten to watch prey yet i watched bullet train last weekend which was fucking great and i plan to watch prey this weekend so we're building up to prey like i'm just you know we watch predator then when she's ready we watch predator 2 next i'm going to show our predators and then the capstone will be prey sounds like you're skipping the only one that needs to be skipped so good choice listen <laughs> i like av parts of avp not what I meant. Now there's no other Predator movies to discuss, then. The Predator. No, fuck, like I said, there's no other Predator movies to be discussed. Exactly. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, no, last things last. I am not watching a movie that had a sex offender in the cast and the director failed to mention to the cast. See, I didn't even know that part. I just heard the movie was not very good. So. Oh, no, the movie was terrible, but that was the big thing, is right beforehand. It's like, oh, yeah, one of the actors was a sex criminal and Shane Black didn't inform the cast. Now, with AVP, the interesting thing is I recently had a content creator online who I very respect refer to AVP as being, like, awesome. And I was always – and that struck me as odd because I'm like, it's a pretty bad movie with some bits in it that work. <laughs> I think right. we're going to file that one away under the how do you fuck up subheaders of episodes we do because Accurate. there's some stuff that works there, and it's a really simple concept. But there's a lot that doesn't work there, and it's so close to perfection. But that's yeah. another episode. But I haven't seen Prey, but every content creator I know who has seen it has loved it. So I'm super looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, no, if you are online at all, that's everyone saying they love it. The original cast is coming out in support of it, which makes me so happy. Because it really would have broken my heart if, you know, 
the decent members of the original cast were like, oh no, fuck this shit. They're all like, no, this is awesome. I love this. Good for them. I kind of want to see the version of it that's all in Comanche too. Like that's what I'm excited for. First viewing is going to be for my daughter. It'll be in English. Then I'm going to go back and watch it in Comanche. Just because to me that feels like a fun artistic choice rather well, than just doing it in black and white. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what Comanche sounds like, so that's just interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I've ever heard Comanche. Exactly. That's my thought. It's like not only is this like a cool progressive kind of thing, but I just I don't know what this language is, and I would love to see like a cool movie with it just to experience it. You know? Yeah. No. Any excuse to watch it again, I guess. Anyway, before we get into our actual topic, I believe you've got something you get to do. Yes. Thank our patrons, the people that endorse us and give us money and come here week to week. They are wonderful, wonderful patrons. And in exchange for their kind donations, we thank them by name at the beginning of every episode. They are Pam Gelly, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Gelly, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Eddie, John Vinnels, Kit, Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, Patrick Anthony, Carson L, Scott Ribbon, Derek Tocati, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious lead, just head on to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode guarantees you early access to all our content and potentially a tax write-off at the end of the year, but don't take our word for it. We're not accountant. True. Anyway, what are we talking about today, Ulrich? Well, if this all times out right, this will coincide with the release of Game of Thrones House of the Dragon, unless that also gets shit-canned by Warner Brothers' new ruling idiots. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> Topical! And this is something we've kind of batted around in the background and I've kind of wanted to talk about. And I want to talk about the fallout of the final season of Game of Thrones and the internet's favorite discussion that comes up again and again, is Game of Thrones dead? Or did season eight kill Game of Thrones? Or was Game of Thrones ever really good to begin with and all these various subheaders that people really Wait, love Wait, seriously, anyone asked that last question? I mean, were they alive at the time? <laughs> so It's this weird, it happens, every popular you get this weird inversion of Game of Thrones is only good till blank. Game of Thrones is bad after blank. And even George R. R. Martin's kind of starting to get in on it. Like, well, when I I stepped away at this point and I had no idea, it's like, just write the fucking books, man. Stop trying. <laughs> we know you wrote the ending. We know that you are worried about people receiving the ending. But yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Exactly. So, well, okay. Can I preface by saying, as a Doctor Who fan, there is no such thing as dead. There just isn't. For anyone who doesn't know uh, Doctor Who beyond maybe the meme and fan culture that sprung up that is a whole other conversation, Doctor Who actually started in, like, the early 60s, I want to say. It's old as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it a radio play at one point? Uh, no, but it does have audio plays. That yeah, are, um, I knew that. Big Finish audio plays. Yes. Big Finish is the new one. I just thought at some point it transitioned to being radio play only. Not that I know of. I mean, technically speaking, after Eighth Doctor, it did because again, this span of time. But all right, getting ahead of myself. Doctor Who started in the late '60s, maybe the late, or sorry, early '60s, maybe late '50s. I don't know the exact date. I just know that it was in black and white, and the original pitch was that it was an educational show, so alternate between sci-fi and historical. But it continued, and then it evolved until mm, the mid '80s. I think was roughly the time when uh, Seventh Doctor went away or something like it was the last doctor and then the show was canned and it died entirely and if you read people talking about it the last seasons of it particularly the sixth doctor actually were killed a lot of the ratings but that's not really 
his fault. Anyway, then there was a movie that was bad and no one liked, but everyone liked Paul McGann. I think it was Paul, maybe Peter. It was McGann is his last name, as a doctor, but movie was bad. And then, you know, like 15 years or something went by with nothing other than some big Finnish audio plays. Like, but nothing. And then, boom, Christopher Eccleston, Ninth Doctor, Resurgence, David Tennant show up, overseas Resurgence, and becomes massive thing. So, like, if that show, if that property can survive, like, being gone that long and then come back, I honestly think that there's no such thing as a series being fully dead. The closest is Megas XLR, which is a tax write-off and thus is the people who own the rights are legally not allowed to do anything with it. But even that, you know, I hold out hope that maybe there's some that's legal change still, or something. That's a fandom. Like, that still crops up on Twitter. People are like, man, Megas was so good. Like, in the day of the age of internet, nothing is ever truly gone. Yeah, but the point is that the only reason why that's even as close to dead as it is is because there's a legal tax loophole thing going on there that prevents it from being made again. Like, there was a whole SWAT Cats thing a couple years ago. I actually don't know if the Kickstarter went anywhere, but... I thought something I thought something got announced like SWAT Cats was coming to Netflix. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be awesome. I love SWAT Cats. There is so much, and we'll get into that, there is so much media news that I can't keep track of what is rumored, what is confirmed, what has been canceled, yeah. what is in production. Another example, even if something ends absolutely horribly, doesn't mean it's dead. You know what ended worse than Game of Thrones, as far as I'm concerned? Dexter. You know what happened to Dexter? They had a cap-off season that took place, that came out like 10 years later, took place like 10 years later, and while it was not as good as the first four seasons, it was roughly as good as the fifth season, much better than 6, 7, and 8, and served as a pretty good ending to the series. Even that series was basically dead as a doornail after season 8, which everyone universally hated, but then Dexter New Blood was pretty solid. Not, not great television, but pretty enjoyable, good television. Michael C. Hall was still great. So, you know what? I'm going to get ahead of the whole conversation by saying easily the same thing with any other property, Game of Thrones included. Like, my opinion of the last season is that it was not good, but I don't think it was this, like, absolute trash fire that a lot of people think it is. And even if I did, I still wouldn't say it's dead because it's a big world. It was super popular. You get new actors. You get new writers. You can do anything with it. So Yeah, like, I'm running through my head of, like, okay, franchises or things like one we live in an age of content. Nothing ever truly dies. And like, I'm running through my head like, well, Joss Whedon poisoned his legacy pretty hard, but people still enjoy Buffy. Yeah. Buffy and Firefly and Angel and Dollhouse are all still great, despite uh, Dollhouse say, having... Dollhouse and Firefly have not done well with critical eyes of going, wait a second, what are your themes? Oh. Hmm. Yes, but... When you but, start digging down to those, like, you know, they're still popular, but people are definitely side-eyeing them a lot harder now. Okay, Ulrich, but there's an important thing there, which is just because I disagree with something's themes doesn't mean I can't like it. The example, no, I, I agree, 100%. Yeah, the example I always go to is The Incredibles, whose themes run exactly opposite of my actual real-world philosophies and actually kind of disgust me. It's still an awesome movie, so... Yeah, no, I just think it's funny that there's this whole reevaluation of those shows and people going did you guys never notice this and a lot of us going oh fuck well no i totally missed that one dollhouse specifically gets a little gross when you but the actors are still doing yeah. a great job and the performances are still great yeah. and, you know anyway and then harry potter is it's waning Ooh. it's waning hard harry right? potter's an interesting one because uh 
here's what I here's what I think about that. Eventually, J.K. Rowling's gonna die. <laughs> well, here's the most interesting thing: uh, a set of autographed first edition Harry Potter books went up for auction, like the full original series first edition autograph mint condition, and did not sell. No one wanted. Yeah, but I get I get why. Doesn't mean that's that's, yeah, but that I, is, it doesn't mean it's over because there still are people, and I'm sorry you should feel ashamed of yourself, that are going, well, I'm just going to set aside all her things because I really love this universe. No. Stop. Just stop. Mm, I don't know about that. Only because... If you are buy, if you're still continuing to buy the video games, no, no, and... that true, that true. Like I'm not buying anything that financially supports her. Okay, but that's, that's its, yes. But that's what I, I but that's what I mean when I say that the story is going to outlive her, and the story can have way more positive impact than any of her personal negative bullshit. I mean, I've got we'll into see. reading because of that. So. I know. We'll see. I kind of wonder if. They've if she cut off the root the you know cut the plant at the root because that is a series I went from I'm going to read that to my daughter to no 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 yeah I still see no reason I mean I still own all the books I can enjoy the story without having to financially support this terrible person and there are still positive themes in it so anyways but what I'm saying is th- those franchises haven't died and they did a whole lot worse than having an ending people didn't particularly like yeah i honestly don't know if there is such a thing as a dead franchise that's what i'm saying that i don't think it's, it's hard well, in this age no they will resurrect it but a lot of times what i think this comes around to is people trying to argue that there should be no more game of thrones stuff because they didn't like how it ended. And this is very similar to ours. Is the MCU in trouble? Uh, this feels like people trying to excise their personal feelings onto everybody else. A little because... bit of a different, that's a little bit of a different question, though. Uh, you're saying, should there be any more, as opposed to, is there going to be any more? Can there be any more? Can it be good again? Or any questions like that. Like, even if I say, absolutely, there's going to be good stuff again, the answer to, should there be could still be no. I don't think it is, but I'm saying that is a different question. Yeah, but this is more like the frequency with which I see people claiming that Game of Thrones, season eight killed Game of Thrones. is like the fact that I see this frequently enough tells me that no, this show is still on people's minds. I mean, it still trends near the top on HBO. People are still excited for the books. People still talk about, there's still merchandise. It still goes, I think it's a combination of the internet being an amplifier for people of that didn't like the ending and want everyone else to think it's dead with a combination of we are bombarded with media in a way we weren't during game of thrones so it feels like well, wait a second we still talk about all these marvel things and all these other things why aren't we talking about game of thrones if game of thrones is still relevant to which i say game of thrones isn't being made at this moment so it's getting just overwhelmed with the literal bombardment of other things that are going on well, another important thing to always remember in a conversation like this, and I remember hearing a content creator say it in a video like 10 years ago, so is that when you're on the internet a lot, it's easy, very easy to create an idea in your head that the people you're interacting with are representative of everyone, because it's a lot of people you're interacting with. But by the numbers, that just isn't the actual representation of the majority of people, even in this country. Like, 
you're interacting directly with very specific fandoms. Game of Thrones, for example, was so big, so massively big when it's at its height, that it reached far beyond internet culture into, I hate to say it this way, but regular people culture. The kind of people who don't really interact online, at least not in the way that we are used to or we do. Like, the effect of Game of Thrones was so much larger than that, that the quote-unquote kind of people that are constantly bitching about whether it's dead are, at the end of the day, even if they're a majority of the people we interact with, are a minority of people who paid attention to the show. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where the numbers kind of bear out, because the fact that it still does well on streaming on HBO, the fact that you still pass those DVDs anytime you go into a Walmart or a Target and they're getting reboxed all the time, and the books continue to be reboxed and packaged, going, yeah, no, this was a big cultural thing, and it just because it's not the cultural juggernaut it was doesn't mean it ever really stopped. Yeah, and that same thing goes in both directions. I mean, the number of movies that everyone in my internet social circle, and that I mean that even like comment threads of videos I like, the kind of people I don't personally know, but that I'm quote-unquote interacting with online, let's say... I don't know, Upgrade. Upgrade is a movie that's basically completely beloved in the kind of circles I run into. That doesn't mean that it translates. I actually don't know how successful it was outside in general, but my knowledge is that it's still a pretty unknown movie comparatively to things. So Yeah, no, the system I have come to use is I call it the parent test, which is ask your parent if they are aware of a pop culture thing. If they are, that means that it ha it got outside your small they got outside nerd circles. Yeah, that's perfectly reasonable, I think. Like example, my mom knows who Captain America is. Don't think she knows that Falcon is the new Captain America. That's an interesting I mean that makes a lot of sense though. The, the movies are this like almost becoming this Star Wars level touchstone thing where everyone is aware of them. But the Disney Plus shows, despite being relatively above average entertainment for television, are not the same caliber of touchstone hasn't broken through but that means i'm going to get a phone call when the first trailer for captain america new world order comes what happened to the old guy who's this guy <laughs> likely like i just i get it and that's again that is my basis for does my mom know who blank is and if i ask my mom do people like game of thrones i guarantee you she would say yes they still loved game of thrones your brother loved game of thrones you love game of thrones she did not hear about the mass outrage of people going, oh my god, season 8 ruined the whole season, because that was an internet thing. And what's funny about Game of Thrones specifically is that Game of Thrones' effect was so much wider that I would go so far as to say that the only show in history to have the same kind of widespread effect as Game of Thrones was M.A.S.H., and that's not saying Game of Thrones is better than a lot of other shows that were happening around the same time, like... Breaking Bad is a better show than Game of Thrones. It just is, overall. And Breaking Bad had a huge impact. It still didn't feel like the same colossal omnipresence that Game of Thrones had. Game of Thrones changed HBO. Like, the reason, because Game of Thrones was a success, is the reason that we got things like Watchmen, we got things like His Dark Materials, it's why we're getting things like Sandman. Everyone is still chasing the Game of Thrones hype. That's why we're getting the Rings of Power. Yeah, but I'm saying that very specifically, there's a thing that happened with Game of Thrones that also happened with MASH, where that parent test, like, it went even beyond that. It was like the family test. Like, it'd be more like, find someone in your family who doesn't know what this thing is. I dare yeah. you. and the other thing is it brought epic fantasy 
to a market of people that didn't like epic fantasy and bridge the gap between people that love epic fantasy and those that don't. Yeah. Now, we spent the last 20-ish minutes or so basically explaining why the very concept of the franchise is dead is stupid and why it's specifically stupid in Game of Thrones' case. Let's, I think, directly at go after what the ending of Game of Thrones, like, what what effect does that actually have, right? Because, like, yeah. in, in my experience, the people who are complaining about this generally make a distinction that roughly after season four is when things started going down. Were there good things after season four? Even these diehard people will say generally, yeah, Battle of Bastards was pretty awesome, so season, stuff in season five was pretty good, but after season four is generally when R. Martin kind of set the way and when they started really diverting from, well because they didn't really have material anyway they theoretically had material they george i told them but not actually written material to our knowledge so it's interesting i think you bring that up because the distinction i notice is that's when the magic and the fantasy started creeping in more than the politics and the mucky muck fair and i think a lot of people were like wait no there's magic in my fantasy in my uh, medieval rape you know show <laughs> why is there magic i don't want magic and that's when I think a lot of people were like here for the magic, like, oh boy, the magic is here. And the people that are in it like, huh, there's magic in this, you know, medieval rape show. Okay. That's such a I horrible think, way to say it, but yeah. I know it is, but we're going to call a hat a hat. Spade a spade, as it were. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think this is kind of where it comes into what I said earlier. This is a minority opinion of people going, I don't like this thing, so you're not going to like this thing as well, trying to go, well, it got bad from here, and they're backing up, and because it's because Martin stopped writing on it, not because, okay, we finally got the white wall. Yeah, and I, I will say that one to address the first thing, having your original writer directly involved with what you're doing is pretty much always the right way. Now, can it go wrong? Sure, it's gone wrong with Stephen King a number of times. Oh, but, yeah. But are you more likely to go right? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So well, I think you and I have both stated that we think the first season of Game of Thrones is better than the first book of Game of Thrones. Agreed. Very much agreed. I, I've read all the books that are out. The, okay. I haven't read, like, supplementary material, but I've read the, the main series of A Song of Fire and Ice up to... What was the last one? Is it Dance of Dragons? Uh, a Dance of Dragons, because we're okay. waiting on A Dream of Spring. Uh, no, we're waiting on Winds of Winter. And Winds then, of uh, Winter and then A Dream of Spring. I am of the theory it's going to be one giant doorstop book at this point. I don't think it's going to happen, honestly, at this point. There, there is that other one, because I think Martin is scared now because people did not like the ending. I don't think it's even that he's wrote. scared. I think Martin's just done with it. And there's a thing. I used to be a lot more uppity about this idea, right? Like, of wanting a creator to finish the thing that I'm really into. I dealt with it with Berserk and then I had to deal with the fallout of Kentaro Mira, the author of Berserk, dying before his thing finished. And I've I've dealt with that myself. And, and now I've come to this point where it's like so art is interesting because I honestly believe that art exists because of both the author and the audience but I don't believe that the author has any obligation or responsibility and if they're not feeling it if they're not passionate about it then they're just going to create something inferior to what they would have made in the first place oh and yeah we've seen that that's kind of what happened with this final couple seasons of game of thrones yeah and and you can tell there are some actors who were still giving it their all but just didn't have the some right. were just 
ran somewhere to check out. No, creative burnout happened. That's like the most, I think, worst thing to come out of this is everyone decided to call Benioff and Weiss hacks, terrible writers, bad directors, yada, 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 so on and so forth. They were just chasing a paycheck. Like, guys, they did this for eight seasons. They ran this thing for eight seasons. Should they have stepped away? Yes. Is it, you know, does that lessen the importance of, you know, or the damage of burnout? Fuck no. Is it Star Wars's fault? Uh, maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one fell through, and I don't know. And, I mean, they also kind of got themselves to the bad press when they wanted to do that Civil War show that fell through. But, yeah, but listen, my, my point, every alt-history person writes about the Civil War for some weird reason. Because, it, well, I can tell you why, because it's the most important single largest event in the american history but yes, and I, it's also cultural shorthand everyone knows the main players of the civil war but. exactly it's our world war ii in but... world war ii is also another everyone either writes about world war ii or the civil war or sometimes both if you're harry turtle buff yeah exactly anyway my point though is that from what i've seen of just interviews with george r, r. martin and reading about the kind of projects he's taking Yes, maybe he is still writing for Winds of Winter on a somewhat regular basis, but everything tells me, and this is, I don't, not in the know, I'm just making conjecture here, and I could be very, very wrong. There could be a press release tomorrow, and he's like, Winds of Winter, ooh, and I'll fucking eat my words. But it seems like he's just not that into it, and that he writes whatever he needs to to basically keep his publishers happy, and that generally he's taking projects doing things on, on other shows, on, you know, consulting work, or. You know, things like that, and that that's what's appealing to him now, and that's fine. Like, yeah, if I don't get a proper ending to the book series, that kind of is not fun, but the books are still good, and I'll still enjoy them. The same thing's happening with frickin' The Kingkiller Chronicles and Patrick Rothfuss, who's more interested in playing D&D than writing The Doors of Stone. And you know what? Fine. I have no begrudgment to him for that. So... No, I think uh jason inman who is a podcaster and tv writer put it best when he described george R. R. martin is the type of writer that's like he planted a garden and he just wants to let things grow and he watches them grow and he sees where they go and he follows them all along and he just goes down various paths and the pro and oh, that's great but when it has to come to an end you have this giant sprawling mass that you have to wrangle in and martin's like well i'm just going to keep adding to this because that's easier than trying to find a natural conclusion to this yeah. And that is why the shows ran this one. They had this huge, giant, sprawling garden. And they had to find an ending for it. And he had no input otherwise. Like, well, I'm just having fun. I'm going to go plant some corn now. And like, no, no, no. You get back here and handle these pumpkins <laughs> that you started. And that, that, when you read the books, they really do feel like that. And the fact that he has written history books for this well, only further proves that he is having way more fun building out the world than actually concluding any of it. I don't remember what book it was. I think it was the third book, The Feast for Crows or whatever, where he literally spent like two and a half solid pages of listing flags and banners. And I was like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, that's <laughs> what he loves. He, and I'm right here with him. I love splashing around in the world. That is Martin's. And I kind of feel that's where he's at. Is it's a two one. Of like, he doesn't really know how to bring this all in. And again, because he keeps coming back to, you know, all my endings going to be different. I didn't like the ending either. Bullshit. That is 100% the ending he wrote. He just doesn't want to own it because everyone got mad that it was Bran. And let's be honest, Bran sucked by the end. And that is the How I Met Your Mother problem of the ending you started with isn't always the ending you need to end with. Well, that's why, can I, all right, I'm just going to take a moment here to join in the worst possible thing and say my little rant, which is, 
the way that that show was constructed, by the end, the answer for who should have sat on the Iron Throne was so fucking obvious. The fact that they didn't do it is what makes me irritate. Like, I am a somewhat defender of season of the last season of Game of Thrones. As in, I don't think it's as bad as everyone else says it is. But yeah, yeah. Ch- choosing Bran when, the, when Sansa is the obvious fucking answer for a number of reasons, besides the fact that it keeps her the Seven Kingdoms the Seven Kingdoms, she was raised in King's Landing, so she's literally been raised around all this politicking, basically as the princess. She was set to be queen numerous times. She was raised into the political thing by Baelish, the guy who was arguably the best at it, until she overcame him and beat the master at his own game. She's already being the queen in the North. She is the one who fucking... Sorry. And that's how you know... That Martin wrote the brand gets to be king ending because Sansa's story divulged so far from where she was in the books, and they were stuck going, Well, crap, we've really kind of created this interesting character that would, you know, work here, but George wrote this ending, and this is George's series, so we should probably go with what he wants. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm grumpy about it. Not, especially because Sansa was my most hated character in season one. The fact that I yeah. got to the last season, like, this character's awesome, and she's the one who makes the most sense being put in the throne, and then they don't do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Bronn <laughs> oh, is the first chapter in the first book. He would have been the last chapter in the last book, because that's the kind of symmetry Martin likes. Yeah, it, and that point is funny because that means that there's almost a slavish devotion to original material, which I don't think you need. I Here's a point. Here's an interesting Let's point. See. Here, I am on your side about this argument that I've had with many other people that we are in the minority. I think, for example, Full Metal Alchemist is better than Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which much more closely follows the manga, the original source material. Now... My reasons for that, as I've given, and Ulrich and I have talked about, I don't know if we've ever recorded it, are that the original story of Full Metal Alchemist, not the original story of the manga, which actually predates it, is feels a lot less constrained to its medium. I always say that the Full Metal Alchemist story of the original anime is the kind of story that to me feels like can fit in any medium, movie, book, whatever. But that Brotherhood, which much more closely follows the manga, feels like a manga, feels like an anime, feels much more constrained by the writing conventions, ideas, and patterns of Japanese media. That does not inherently make it, I don't know, bad. It just means that I think the original is a more well-constructed story. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny because so many people will leap to the defense of those first four seasons were good because Martin was still holding their hand but will then trash the ending. And it's like, that is the ending that Martin wrote. Now, you've said that like three or four times, and we'll be very clear. This is, it is conjecture. It's very, very, very likely that that's the case. Yes. <laughs> Based on things he said in interviews during those high point seasons. And things that like Ulrich just pointed out with the structure of the books. We don't know for certain, and he will never admit it, but it is no. very likely. And here's the thing. I bet you it works in the book. I bet you everything plunks along perfectly to make that be the ending in the book that works. But the problem is, the show is not the books. And because characters shifted and things moved out of alignment just a little bit, it caused everything to shift. Because I feel like so many of the weird character choices, Arya aside, we are on record for the Arya one. Yeah, now let's... We spent the last, like, seven to ten minutes essentially bitching. Let me move that and say, now what does that ending mean? for House of Dragons. And I think it means something very 
HBO is going to look at the general response to season eight, right? Which, as we mentioned before, isn't as widely negative as you are, would be led to think by being on the internet. But the fact that Game of Thrones went from being omnipresent, the king of pop culture, to basically not existing in pop culture, even though it does in the fringes, as Ulrich said, it's still you know popular on Netflix, you still see CBDs and stuff. HBO's not going to be, I think, completely ignorant of that. And so what I think they're going to probably do is, already they've grabbed at least one actor who is very popular from numerous properties, including a very geeky property in Matt Smith, and they're probably going to try to get a whole new set of writers, which I don't know what writers are associated with it, but... The only thing I know is it's being showrun... I'm sorry, I can't pronounce his name, but the director behind all the big battle episodes a.k.a. the best episodes. Which means that we're probably going to see more of that. It's going to look... Well, I know, the, I know the plot of this one. I know this What this is the War of the House of Black and the House of Green. and That's the other thing. This one has a preset ending. We know They know where they're going. They know how it ends. And it's funny because prequel series, right? That's a tricky thing to do. You'd think that having a preset ending makes it easier for you to do but we've seen over and over again how prequels can actually be very challenging to be yeah. polite about it <laughs> ultimately i think because also you look at the projects that they had in development that got canceled like uh the one that was about the age of heroes and the rumored one of Arya's journey and why they picked this one this one is most down the middle of what people that liked Game of Thrones say they liked Game of Thrones for. It's political intrigue, and there's a little bit of dragons for magic, but it's mostly political intrigue and infighting. Yeah, and I will say, I think it's part of... Like Game of Thrones. I'll also say another reason why I think what you're saying is important when it comes to the shift in Game of Thrones and why it was big. We live in a generation that is had to become a lot more politically minded... And I think that Game of Thrones tapped into that in a lot of ways, but not in the same way that, like, the West Wing or the Newsroom or Aaron Sorkin, anything, tried to. Just in a kind of, everyone's corrupt, <laughs> people have to live in this situation, follow maybe these some people who seem pretty good. There's a power fantasy at play there, especially with what's been going on in, just say, the United States for the last 20 years. So, that brings me to a very simple point. Even if House of Dragons is good, even if it's very good, which honestly I don't see it being very good, I see it probably being okay, I don't think it can ever recapture what seasons one through five, as far as pop culture, was concerned. Yeah, because Game of Thrones kind of sprung into a vacuum. No, we had the MCU, we had Marvel doing the big superhero things, but no one was doing epic fantasy on TV. Now everyone's doing epic fantasy on TV. Why? Because Game of Thrones showed up, sucked all the air out of the room, and made bank forever. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of the number of obviously Game of Thrones ripoff-like things I've seen in the last ten years. The Shannara Chronicles comes to mind, which I know is based on a popular set of books. The so. Witcher. Uh, Sandman. Which is popular. I haven't seen Sandman yet. I Have you seen it's it? It's very game I've watched the first three episodes. It's very game -y. I mean, I love Neil Gaiman. My favorite book is written by Neil Gaiman, but I've never actually read The Sandman, which is weird because I know it's a magnum opus. But... This, I'm in the same boat. Like, I have never read it. I'm like, I need to, but... 
Yeah, because like everything you read about Gaiman, that's the top thing that people mention is that they think well, that that's Morbius like this is literally drawn. He's drawn as uh, Gaiman. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I need to, and I'm I'm hope the adaptation's good because maybe that'll motivate so far, me. To... So far, it's good. My plan is I'm going to get through this and then I'll go back and maybe read the book. I don't know, but but, anyways... not, but also the point is that Game of Thrones hit at like I would love to see a full like video essay breakdown on why it hit as hard as it did at that point in time because there's an idea that movie bob chipman has mentioned in his really that good series that when things not just hit but hit on such a level that they are like cultural phenomenon there's usually something deeper going on there some connection with the cultural moment the moment in history the people's milieu like the thing that's going on in their minds and even though I lived it, I don't claim to understand what that nope. was for Game of Thrones. But I think there was something, and I would love someone oh, yeah. to like, figure it out. And, you know? I, and I feel like we've been caught up in this self-flagellation cycle of Game of Thrones was bad. Game of Thrones ended poorly. No one cares about Game of Thrones. And it's kept us from doing a real deep introspection of why did this show work? What were the factors that made this show work? And why has no one been able to capture the levels that game of thrones did i mean netflix has done both last kingdom and marco polo in a blatant uh flagrant attempt to get in on game of thrones and neither of those even came close vikings even tried and vikings and the show that has the best chance at it it's not even Game of Thrones. It would be Rings of Power, and I still don't think Rings of Power can do it. Not no offense to anyone involved in that show. It looks perfectly reasonable. I'm hoping it's good just because Lord of the Rings deserves to be good. But again, I think that there's something more at play in those first set of seasons that hit a culture. Like, the closest I can think of to something like that happening right now is actually The Boys. And it's not. Boys hasn't reached that level of popular, like... omniscience or omnipresence but i see something similar happening in the general culture around it mostly to do with things like the character homelander and billy butcher but that's a whole different genre and it's particularly tapping i think into people's response to the mcu which became that omnipresent thing so there's already like a psychological connection i can see there what is the psychological connection at this point with House of Dragon? I mean, that depends entirely on what they write, I suppose. So, I again, nothing I'm saying is for certain. I just think it's a very, very unlikely that a fantasy show anytime soon is going to replicate what, what Game of Thrones did. Especially because I think Game of Thrones replicated something that we hadn't seen since the 70s with MASH. <laughs> yeah. No, I think... House of the Dragon is going to do good. I'm excited for it because I still really love Game of Thrones and the whole world. And I think that they picked the right setting to do it with. But like I said earlier, we talked about there is so much content right now. And I'm not complaining. I, which is a side, I don't get people that are bitching about there being too much content. Yeah. Like, I, I don't get that. Oh, no, I can't watch it all right now. Who the fuck cares? I mean, I admit, I've, I've complained once or twice to my friends that I have so much stuff to do and I don't have time to do it. But you know what? If that is my complaint, it's a pretty good life. You know, I've got yeah. other things to complain about, but that one is just like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> the world is on fire, okay? The smallest problem I have is there's too much shit I want to watch. Anyways, putting aside, I'm excited for Game of Thrones. Do I think it, or House of Dragon? do I think it's going to be Game of Thrones levels? No. Why? Because everything... 
is out there now. Fucking Disney's throwing it out there. Amazon, everything, back to back to back to back. You can't watch it all. You can't keep up with it all. I don't think anything that's derivative of something else is going to break the way Game of Thrones did. It's going to be a total weird outlier we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I, th- I think it's interesting that The Boys hit as hard as it did. Even though, again, not the same. But to people outside of essentially a hardcore comic community, that was an unknown quantity. And it basically being a direct critique, or it's not actually a critique of the MCU. It's just very easy to do a reading of it that way. So it's it and Invincible are both kind of hitting that same niche of there's a generation that has grown up knowing nothing but superheroes. And it's kind of having fun doing what count what we did in the 90s and the 2000s and the 2010s. Yeah, and we'll hit and we'll totally and everything goes through cycles. So we'll probably hit a peak because DC is just so okay with doing R-rated movies and stuff now. I loved Peacemaker. I loved Peacemaker. I love the fact that DC is so open to things like Harley Quinn and whatnot. But <laughs> was was uh, open. Uh, DC is Warner Brothers is not. Anyway, <laughs> point is that we're probably going to hit a peak at some point. I imagine it would be when someone tries to reboot Spawn. I imagine that's going to be uh, the peak. If you believe Todd McFarlane, any day now we're going to get that first trailer. Yeah, point is that once that happens, guess what? We'll probably have a Superman thing that happens the next year that is like the return to genuineness. I mean, technically we already had Superman and Lois, so we're we're but the cycles happen so shorter now that and no more reason why things aren't dead because the cycles of being in like out of vogue and being the top popular popularity aren't measured in decades they're measured in months even <laughs> yeah no we're really living in a weird age and everyone keeps trying to predict it and everyone has their own snarky takes on it i'm not smart enough to try and guess what it is i'm just enjoying the distraction from the slow burn that is happening around us. I'll say that for me personally, unless I hear Ulrich and maybe Chris Chip Chippa and maybe some other people I care about say that it's really good, I'm probably not going to bother just because, guess what? I'm a 40k slash Warhammer Age of Sigmar player and I play Total War and I play online games and I own a home that I have to go like do things on. I have a very limited amount of time, and I barely have time to do those activities, let alone... Again, this is my complaining. I have too much to do. No, I'm just saying that I'm a lot more picky about what I give my Everyone has their thing that they're like, I will engage with this and not this because I only have X amount of time. Exactly. We all have that. Where it becomes annoying is when people bitch about it because it's like, well, I haven't got a chance to watch it, and I can't be part of the conversation. Oh, that sucks, but I'm not going to complain that Andor is 12 episodes long instead of six. I'm I'm excited for that. Example right now. I want to watch Sandman. I do. You know what I want to do more? Play Total War. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to play Total War. That's going to be the breaker. That's the next big thing, is when Warhammer TV, when we're going to go so over the top with fantasy, we're going to give people shit they didn't know existed, you know, didn't have Grass War 4. 40K is going to break the science. Fantasy is going to break the fantasy. That's the next big thing. I would like to hope so. <laughs> it's going to be so big and so stupid that people are just going to be blown away. Maybe. I would like to think so, just because I, I love the uh, hobby. Trust Games Workshop enough to get it off the ground, and the community has serious PR issues. But I'm just saying, in the pyramid of ever-increasing, 
Let's put that's this way. the top. Here's what I'd say. If we, by, by some magic of the God Emperor, manage to get a Game of Thrones budget level, like, Star Trek, Game of Thrones combined quality kind of 40k adaptation, or even Warhammer Fantasy, or Age of Sigmar adaptation, I think it would hit very big. I don't think it would hit Game of Thrones level big, but probably Breaking Bad level big. I think. Yeah, I just I don't know if there's enough oxygen in the room for anything to break that big anymore. Yeah. By the way, anyone listening to this, that's not me critiquing Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is possibly the greatest television show ever made. I'm saying that the way in which it hit pop culture was large without being oppressive. So. I mean, everyone's talking about the ending of Better Call Saul, which is arguably great. better than Breaking Bad, honestly. So. Yeah, but in the same token. I don't hear about it outside my very narrow circles, again, because there is so much content. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I will always maintain I would rather have more content than little because, seriously, the world is fucked. I want a distraction. Well, plus, and not to sit on us, but how many people out there like us as well? Like, anyone can be a content creator. And yes, it can be sometimes stressful. Or Behind the curtain, Ulrich and I had some personal stresses with each other when we were first doing this before we i think found our groove i'm pretty happy with where we are and would i like to get bigger sure i great but my point is that there are tons of podcasts and youtubers vtubing is now like you know big thing i don't few understand years. that but that's taken off so good for you guys yeah my point is that the number of avenues there is for anybody to create content and then someone to find that and like it means that <laughs> okay, I think that one of the reasons why podcasts like this and YouTube stuff succeeds is honestly genuineness. Like, I'm not putting on a character. I know there are some podcasters who do, uh, some podcasters I like who put on a character, but this is not a character. This is just this is just me, for the most part. This is just Ulrich. He might soften some of his edges, but uh, <laughs> generally it's still him. And there's something special about, I think, that particular kind of content as someone who engages with things like like Markiplier and the Game Grumps and you know the dollop there's a feeling of of personal connection there that isn't and that's just a it's not a better form of entertainment it's just a different form of entertainment but it's one that there is so much of so. yeah no that's the thing I keep hearing that I can't wrap my head around that the generations below us do not watch traditional TV they watch everything on their phones or on their tablets, and it's mostly YouTube and Twitch, and it's like, I know, I hit my limit real fast. Like, no, I want scripted TV with people I feel like I do not know. And and I love a good scripted show. Honestly, now that I'm saying it out loud, the YouTube podcast Twitch thing is basically the evolution of reality TV. And I hate reality TV. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I, I hate reality TV, but I get it, because... The point of reality TV, and I've heard several actors and writers talk about this when reality TV started hitting big in, like, the 90s, was that when you're writing scripted drama, you're basically trying to emulate and heighten reality. Reality TV gets to basically do that without all the difficulty, because it's just... I mean, it really isn't reality, but you get what I mean. And so these this culture of, of Twitch and podcasts and whatnot is doing the same thing, where it's just people real people generally speaking being their real selves and the audience gets to just feel that kind of human connection to the person that isn't there 
incept in like the best done scripted works again different thing entirely i'm not going to get the experience i had watching bullet train by watching you know a game grumps video but it's just i think it's easier to make that kind of psychological connection to that kind of content i'm way off topic but anyway no it wraps is a good thing no we do not think game of thrones is in trouble no i don't think it died i think house of the dragon is going to do fine it's just we are living in a world with a deluge of content. You know what else is going to do fine? Consider... Hmm. All the people who do content about House of the Dragon. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that engine's going to start back up again. And it's great. I, I follow a couple of Game of Thrones podcasts that have just kept going through the lean times because they love talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah. And they produce still great content. I love listening about Game of Thrones. I love Game of Thrones so much, I bought the goddamn history book. Yeah, we just we spent the last fifty minutes talking about how wow we think Game of Thrones is still perfectly fine. It's not, it's not king anymore, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> I again, I don't think anything can in this day and age. I mean, Marvel only is able to do it because they've reached the point of you're never going to get a moment to not think about us. So that brings up an interesting question. We've done. Is the Marvel in tr- Marvel MCU in trouble? No, it's not. Now we've done. Is Game of Thrones dead? No, it's not. What's next? If if you're listening to this and you have some like, is this franchise alive or whatever, or is this franchise in trouble? I want to know what it is because I don't even know what other franchises really could talk about. But generally, the answer is probably going to be no. But I don't mind talking about it. <laughs> yeah, the only one I can see people asking is the DCU Warner Brothers one. It's like, I don't want to talk about that one because there's numbers and stuff that I'm not qualified to speak to. Here, let me be very... I can get that one out real quick. No. <laughs> the, maybe the current version of it's in trouble, but Superman has existed since the 1930s. Batman, pretty much the same. The DC characters are basically fixtures of culture period oh yeah in that case they're fine the business of it all as a non-professional outside observer based solely on their stocks yeah but guess what let's say warner brothers makes the worst decisions possible tanks the entire thing goes bankrupt someone's gonna buy dc property and then start making stuff with it they'll be completely disconnected but it's gonna live (laughs) yeah no that's gonna live warner brothers could totally tank we're living in a cyberpunk dystopia, guys. Oh, That's... completely. <laughs> it's not nearly as cool as the games made it look. Well, we don't have augmentations, so yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, oh my goddamn robot arm. You know how awesome that would be? Well, actually, we do have them. They're just not the way you want them. <laughs> health insurance won't pay for it, which makes it even more of a cyberpunk dystopia. Oh, man. I was listening to a podcast where uh, Gareth Reynolds from The Dollop was talking about going to the doctor with his friend or his cousin from britain and she was shocked because he started negotiating with the doctor how many stitches he could get away with to try to make it cheaper so no if you want an insight to this is this is my favorite thing i've discovered go find a canadian podcast and listen to them talk about america wasn't any foreign podcast talk about America? Well, Canadians are uniquely positioned because they're like us, but they're just over the border so they can look in and comment. That's and funny. how they talk about us is just so eye-opening. It's like, God, is this how the rest of the world views us? Yeah. And I know international listeners are nodding going, yeah, we worry about you, America. Well, it's funny because I watched a video today uh, from Legal Eagle, which is a great channel on YouTube with a lawyer talking about, well, lawyer stuff. 
and it was a video called like things that are illegal in the U.S. that are legal elsewhere, and basically it's like yo things like Kinder eggs or jaywalking. It's like hey here are thing here are literal freedoms that other countries have that we don't. So you know take do with that what you will. <laughs> yeah no I mean. That is like the greatest gift of the internet we all neglect is our ability to, you know, learn about the outside world. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, anyway this has gone on long enough. Yeah, we're we're tangenting so hard. <laughs> well, we were honestly we were afraid if we wouldn't be able to fill an hour with this, but uh, I think we, we 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 more than proved we could. Well, then let's get off this topic and get something focused. Suggestions of the week. I'll do mine very quickly because I already mentioned it before, but last weekend, so this would have been like three or four days ago, I went and saw Bullet Train with Woonvog. And that trailer looked fun, and guess what? Movie was fun. Was it That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, it was just super fun. It felt like the most Guy Ritchie film not done by Guy Ritchie I've ever seen. And it was great. Brad Pitt is hilarious. I love when a, a movie will allow him to be funny because he's always been really funny. It's just that for, like, a good chunk of, like, 15 years, movies didn't want to let him be funny. So... Uh, there's a whole conversation to be had there. Yeah. So, he's great. The other actors are great. Most of them's names I don't remember, unfortunately. The the one guy who plays, like, the, the, the sword samurai, like, dude with a cane kills it in every scene he's in. It's... It's just a fun movie. It's totally worth your time. It's exactly the kind of movie that I go to a theater to see. And you know what? That makes it the third time I said that sentence this year. Because Everything Ever All at Once made me say it. French Dispatch made me say it. And now Bullet Train has made me say it. And they're my top three movies of the year so far because they feel like the exact reasons I like to go to a theater. For different reasons, but still. Interesting. I don't know. I was I, I saw the trailers and I'm like, eh, okay. But then the word of mouth has been so incredibly positive. I'm like, all right, I'm going to check that out. That actually sounds like something I'm going to watch. Apparently it's directed by an ex-stuntman, which explains why all the fight scenes are amazing. <laughs> that tracks. Anyway, Ulrich? Uh, I was pleasantly surprised this week when I watched, when uh, Sligator and I watched Uncharted on Netflix. Go on. I have never played the games. And I thought that the uh, trailers looked really meh, but it's like a really good, low-grade Indiana Jones flick. <laughs> it can be argued that Uncharted is itself low-grade Indiana Jones. <laughs> no offense to the Uncharted fans out there. Don't attack me. <laughs> no, they know what it is. But I was really surprised. I'm like, wow, this is really kind of well shot. And Tom Holland is really incredibly charming, so it works. He kind of carries Wahlberg. Uh, I made the joke with Chris, though. I do not believe either of these men are from Boston. Yeah, I saw at that no tweet. Point, yeah, at no point did they ever yell, go socks, or there was no wickeds. One of the characters named Sully, and no one yells Sully. The only Boston thing about them is Tom Holland's character is a very strongly implied alcoholic. Did you see, as a sidebar, I saw a TikTok that was like, all the times when Tom Holland said in an interview a role he'd be interested in doing... And then actually did it, which included Spider-Man and Uncharted and something else. Like, it just keeps on happening, so the kid apparently can manifest his destiny, so... It was really good, fun, dumb, action-adventure, globe-trotting, and the finale, which involves two flying pirate ships, had my brain split down the middle of, well, this is awesome, and my historian brain going, what are you doing, you monsters? That is not how you transport ancient goods! Well, you know what? I haven't seen it. 
I had not no interest. If it it's, it's of, worth a watch. It's a beer and just flip, just casually engage movie because it's it's fun enough. Ulrich gives it a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, again, I was just surprised, and I just couldn't help but go. I do not believe either of you are from Boston, and one of you is from Boston. All right then. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things because unlike Game of Thrones, this podcast can die. That is accurate. But <laughs> if you help us grow by sharing and whatnot, then we'll you'll keep it alive. You are the lifeblood, and that lifeblood can be fed to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or the FiresideAlliance.com. And you can rate us on Spotify, which is like a kick of adrenaline to said life. <laughs> As always, this has been Lord Commander Orc. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.